Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right, welcome to Liquid Church, everyone. My name is Tom. I'm one of the pastors here. And before we get started, can we give a big shout out to all our other campuses, Nutley, New Brunswick, those watching online and listening to the radio. Yes, so good. Awesome, awesome. Well, today we are in the middle of our action-packed series called Samson, okay? And I gotta say, we've been having some fun with this, all right? Because last week, Samson was actually in the building, all right? I know that some of you guys know this. Some of your reactions were absolutely priceless. I mean, look at that. He's trying to cut his hair. I don't know what's happening there. And of course that, okay? Church is fun, guys. But believe it or not, we actually learned a few things as well, okay? In fact, really quickly, just to catch everyone here up to speed, Samson was a guy who from his very birth was set apart by God, actually called by God to be used by God to deliver his people, the Israelites, from the godless mortal enemies, otherwise known as those Philistines, okay? And so God gave Samson supernatural strength. In fact, over and over again in the Old Testament book of Judges, we see this one One phrase repeated again and again, and that is, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in what? power, exactly. And then after that, you'd see like Samson doing these crazy things, right? Like he would, he would tear apart a lion with his bare hands, Mufasa Kilbasa, right? All over the place. Or, or he'd slay a thousand people with, with one of these bad boys, right? Some of you have been asking, what is, this is actually, this is literally the, the jawbone of a donkey, right? He was a very primal guy, amazing. So bottom line, Samson had incredible God-given potential. The problem was, like so many of us, Samson would also make self-destructive decisions over and over again. In other words, if you're taking notes here, you want to write this down. Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. You know, I had a friend that sent me an email last week, and he put it to me like this. He says, I'm not exactly the bodybuilder type, so it's good to know that Samson got his strength from the Holy Spirit and not from some gym membership, okay? That definitely gives hope to guys like me, especially since I struggle every day with the same things that he struggled with. Now, if you remember, the three things that my friend is alluding to here, the three things that make any strong man weak are, first of all, lust, Okay, Samson actually went into enemy territory to pursue a woman who was totally off limits. The second is entitlement. Samson would stop at nothing to get this particular woman. He actually demanded of his parents, he said, get her for me as my wife. Lust, I want it. Entitlement, I deserve it. But then there's this third aspect called pride. That's the haughty voice inside all of us that says, I can handle it, right? It's the attitude that was in full display in Samson when we last saw him basically throwing himself a keg party, even though he had made a vow never to drink alcohol. Lust, entitlement, and pride. Suddenly, our strong man of God 
is looking very, very weak. As a matter of fact, today we're going to look at one more of Samson's last vulnerabilities. That, and we see that when it's combined with some of the others that we've been talking about, it hurled him into a downward spiral. So if you're taking notes, here is one of our key thoughts for today. Like so many of us, Samson was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. In fact, let's say this together as one campus, all of our campuses in one voice. Let's say this together. Samson was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. Exactly. See, for those of us who are Christ followers, you already know. I mean, if you're following Christ, you're not just a fan of Christ, but you actually follow Jesus, then you know that one of the distinguishing markers of those who follow Christ is that they, they are led by the Spirit in all that we do. In fact, later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he puts it this way. He says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In fact, later on in Galatians, it reads this way. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Spirit's always moving. Let's keep in step with him. Now, I don't know about you, but I just need to pause right here, okay? Because very personally for me, I need to share that instead of always being led by the Spirit, if I'm going to preach here, i got to be honest, okay? And I have to admit, I am driven by emotions a lot more than I'm comfortable sharing with, okay? Have you seen hillbilly hand fishing? All right, is that too soon? I, I, I don't know, okay? But seriously, okay? Seriously now, do you want to take a guess at what one of the major emotions is that drives men in particular? It's one we haven't talked about yet. I call it actually a he motion, and I'll give you a hint. It starts with the letter A. Can anyone guess what it is? Anger. I heard it somewhere over here. Anger. Exactly. Anger is one of the strongest emotions, emotions that drives people, especially men. In fact, we've been hearing a lot about this he motion, as it were, lately, haven't we, right? I, I, I realize that the NCAA basketball tournament, I realize that is over. But Rutgers University and former head coach Mike Rice, they've actually been able to steal a lot of headlines still this past week, right? It's a, it's a sort of humble reminder from our own backyard that when driven by the emotion of anger, we are all capable of incredible things. Rutgers head basketball coach Mike Rice's fiery style has been on public display before. Known for his coaching intensity, Rice was suspended by Rutgers for three games last December for his behavior at team practices, with few specific reasons cited by school officials at the time as to why. This is why. This is just some of the video that led to Rice's suspension. Outside the Lines has obtained not only the roughly 30-minute video reviewed by Rutgers officials, but also hundreds of hours of additional footage of Rutgers practices from the two seasons prior to this year. There are shots of Rice heaving balls at players, even at their heads, which you can see better here when the tape is slowed down. Sort of hard to watch, right? But folks, let's be honest, you never really know what you're capable of when you're burning with anger. Now hear me out, I am not trying to make excuses for Mike Rice, but 
I also don't want to demonize him. See, anger is rarely ever pretty. And most times, as we'll see in the case of Samson, a lot of times, it can actually be quite deadly. In fact, turn with me in your Bibles right now. Would you turn with me to Judges chapter 14? It's found on page 176. And let me show you exactly what I mean. And as you turn there, I'm just going to kind of set the stage here, okay? You see, this all happens in the middle of that keg party that we were talking about. See, uh, back, back in the day, okay, uh, they would have like this week-long bachelor party right before the wedding. And it was at this specific party that Samson would kind of toss out this riddle and make a bet, okay, with 30 of the local Philistines. And here's the thing, whoever won the bet would actually receive 30 linen garments, 30 outfits. So basically, Samson was looking for a new wardrobe here, okay? The only problem is he lost the bet. And so now, Samson has to come up with 30 different outfits, which made Samson angry, very angry. And so if you look with me in the middle of verse 19, it actually says this. It says, he went down to Ashkelon. In other words, he got up from his own party and left. He just got up. He was so angry and left. But what's even more awkward is he struck down 30 of their men and stripped them of their belongings and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. And let's read this all together in one voice, the next three words, burning with anger. He went up to his father's house. In other words, Samson lost a bet. He got really angry. He left his own party. He went into a different town, mugged 30 people, beat them up, stripped them of their clothes, returns back to the party, probably, you know, war-torn, a little blood all over, right? And how does the chapter end? Verse 20, and Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended him at the wedding. Uh Uh-oh. Do you see what's happening here? The father of the bride was just like, whoa, 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 Samson, you're back? Wait a minute. You left in like this big huff. You threw this huge hissy fit in front of everyone. You just left the party. We didn't think you were coming back. Meanwhile, my poor daughter has been all week, she's been preparing herself for this wedding that's coming up. She was ready to go. She's at the altar. You left her there. And I got to say, one of your Philistine boys over here, they were more than willing to oblige. I don't know what's happening here. Now, Samson was already hot and bothered. But now his wife has been given away. So how do you think he would react to this latest development? (laughs) Do, Do you think he was cool with it? Do you think he was just like, oh, yeah, led by the Spirit and just like forgave right away? No, no. He was driven by the emotion of red hot anger. In fact, the literal translation of the Hebrew here, it actually says Samson went cray cray. Okay? Verse 3, he said to them, This time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. What's he say? I will really harm them. Now, watch what happens, verse 4. So he went out and caught. This is crazy. I, when I read this, I'm just like, What? So he went out and caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. He then fastened a torch to every pair of tails. Cray, cray. Verse 5. Lit the torches and let the foxes loose in the standing grains of the Philistines. He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyard and olive groves. Folks, Samson done lost his mind. I mean, look at this. 
But now if Samson, if Samson, this man of God who was set apart since birth, who was anointed by, if Samson, if that Samson was driven by anger instead of led by the spirit, what do you suppose the Philistines who were godless, how do you think they would react to all of this? I'll tell you exactly what happens. Let's just put it this way. The ante got raised. And the Philistines fought fire with fire. Check out verse 6. So the Philistines went up, and what did they do? They burned her, the girl that Samson was going to marry, and her father as well. See, guys, anger, it tends to escalate, doesn't it? You know what I'm talking about? Anger escalates. Uh, just think about your own relationships. Maybe, maybe you're married and, and, and you get into this fight. You don't even know what the fight is about. You sure don't even remember how it started. But all you know is two days later after a lot of huffing, you're just, it has blown up. That's what happens. It just blows up. And with Samson, he just takes it to a whole nother level. Check this out. Verse 7. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this. You know, anger always says it's the other person's fault. Anger blinds us, right? Since you've acted like this, you made me do it. I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. Verse 8. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. And a few verses later, it ends with this incredible explosion finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey. Just look at this thing. This, this is actually real, too. People have been asking, is this, this is real. Don't ask me where we get it, Amazon. Uh, but anyways, uh, this, think about how primal that is, how barbaric that is. He sees the corpse of this dead animal and just rips it off. He grabs a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and he struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, ha, ha, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have slayed a thousand men. Whoa. Oh, okay, um, congratulations, Samson. Oh, man of God. Oh, one of whom it was prophesied since before birth that you would lead God's people. You would be a, a leader of God's people and deliver all these people from God's enemies. With a donkey's jawbone, you've made donkeys of them, huh? With a donkey's jawbone, you've slayed a thousand men. Is that right? Well, did you know, Samson, you've also made a donkey of yourself? Do, do, do you even see that? Do you see that, Samson? No, probably not. And maybe this is why it's called a blinding rage, right? I mean, not only did Samson go absolutely nuclear, but honestly, let's think about how this all started, okay? Let's, let's think about this. Samson was the one 
who first went into enemy territory, the land of the Philistines, when he wasn't supposed to. Samson was the one who had the hots for a strictly off-woman, off-limits gal, okay? That's called lust. Samson was the one who wanted to marry her, entitlement. Samson was the one who said, I can handle it, let's throw a keg party, despite my vow, that's pride. He's also the one that placed the bet. He's also the one that came up with the terms. He's also the one that lost the bet. I just call that plain stupidity, okay? Okay? And last but not least, he is the one that left his own party. He left his own bride at the altar. He threw a hissy fit. He mugged 30 people. He stripped them of their clothes. That is what I would call anger. You see, if anything, Samson should be angry with himself. But instead, Samson took all of this rage, he took all of this anger, and he just blew it on every one else. Am I preaching to anybody here? Hmm. If you don't think so, just ask your neighbor. Just, just give him a nudge, okay? Uh, see, here is how it works in my own house. This is how it works in my family. Uh, Erica, my wife, just says one, one word. She just, she just gives me one look. Do you know what I'm talking about, guys? She just says, Tom, Okay. <laughs> And whenever that happens, I know that what that means is whatever it is that, that's happening outside of my home, whatever it is that's happening outside of my house, maybe I had a bad meeting, maybe I had an awkward confrontation with someone, maybe there were expectations that weren't met, maybe there's something that needs to be done yesterday. Whatever it is that I'm dealing with outside of the house, I've just, I've just brought that funk Okay, I brought that tension, that stress. I've somehow brought it into my house now. And without even realizing it, I've now become very short with my wife. Without even realizing, without intending, I've become super snappy with the kids. Does anyone know what I'm talking? Am I preaching to you now? Okay. Maybe for you it's something like this. Maybe, maybe your manager, coworkers. It's, it's Monday. It's like early Monday. It's not even 9.30 yet. But you are so mad at your coworkers. They are driving you crazy. You, you just, you, and, but maybe it actually has nothing to do with your coworkers. Maybe it has to do with your level of, of how much you like your job. Maybe you think you're overqualified. Maybe you think enough is enough. Maybe you've been there long enough and you just, you're sick and tired of your job, but you're projecting that onto your coworkers. Or, or maybe it's like this. Maybe, maybe you're a man and you just feel like, ah, oh, my goodness, you know, my wife is, she's just not meeting my physical needs. You're an idiot, okay? Because you know something? You haven't met your wife's emotional needs for the longest time. That's not even on your radar. You don't even speak that way. You don't even think that way. You are completely clueless, yet you're projecting that on her. Or maybe, I get this a lot too. I talk to a lot of people. They share with me their struggles. Some people here are just angry with God. They are in a situation right now that they didn't expect to be in. Whatever is happening, something didn't go right. And they are just angry with God. You are shaking your fists at God when maybe, when maybe actually, not all the time, but sometimes maybe you're the type of person who for all these years, you're just, you're just simply experiencing years and years of prayerless decisions. You're just simply experiencing years and years of unwise decisions that you've been making for the longest time. And these are just simple consequences of all those things, but yet you're shaking your fists at God. Folks, if that's you, don't be like Samson 
and go off in this blinding rage. Instead, you need to own it. You need to own it. And you own it by giving it back to God. See, here's what I mean. As a follower of Jesus, we can all go back to him with all of our wrongs, all of our mistakes, all of our frustrations, all of our sins, all of our anger even, and find grace in his arms and mercy at the cross. And do you know what else? Jesus actually welcomes it. Jesus actually wants you. Your burden is too heavy. He wants you to give it to him. He can handle it. You obviously can't. He wants you to give it to him, and he wants you to leave it there with him, and then he wants you to follow. Follow the Spirit, to go forward with the Holy Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit's always moving. See, we no longer have to be emotion-driven people because in Christ, in Christ, we can now be, we are now free to be Spirit-led followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Here's the thing, folks. I don't, I don't want you making the mistake of poo-pooing Samson. I don't want you to make the mistake of looking at Samson's life and being like, oh, you know, what a shame. In one fell swoop, he just blew it all. He just made one mistake and, and, and just everything is, that's not how it went down. See, Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. And here's the good news. Neither do any of us. We never ruin our lives all at once. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and turn to the person sitting next to you and say this. I can't ruin my life all at once. Go ahead. I can't ruin my life all at once. Turn to your neighbor. I can't ruin my life all at once. I can't ruin my life all at once. It's so true. We never, we never, ever, ever ruin our lives all at once. If. We ruin our lives. We do it one small step at a time. That's how it works. One small step at a time. Those of you taking notes, this is our second major point. Samson's small steps led towards big destruction. I mean, we just saw that. We just saw how Samson's anger actually escalated over and over again. One small step at a time, eventually making everyone to be looking like a donkey, okay? But I want to show you one final and classic scene where Samson's small steps lead to big destruction. Look with me again a few verses down at Judges chapter 16. Judges 16 says this. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman. Okay, here we go. All right, once again, in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was, what was her name? Delilah. Samson and Delilah. Now, folks, you got to understand, this is now the third time Samson's messing around with a woman he shouldn't be messing around with. The first led to carnage. The second was with a prostitute. We skipped over that. You can read that on your own time. And the third, the third time, he's looking right down the barrel. He's looking right down the barrel at strike three, Delilah. And here's the deal. One of the most common ways that Samson, and many of us actually, I I don't want to demonize Samson, but one of the common ways that Samson and many of us take small steps towards big destruction is that we rationalize the same old sin over and over again. You know, last week I shared with you about a friend of mine, no judgment, right? 
but he was sharing with me how he rationalized his porn. He said, I could share it with you all. He rationalized his porn. And he's just like, hey, you know, Pastor Tom, this is just my one thing. I am constantly doing things for others, doing things for my wife, doing things for my kids, doing things for my manager, my supervisor, my coworkers, my friends. I'm constantly for everyone else, everyone else, everyone else. But this is porn, like just a little bit. I'm not addicted. I don't even do it every day. I don't even do it every week. But it's just this little bit. Can I just have this one thing that is just for me? Just, just, just a little bit. Well, you know something? After one of those services, another guy came up to me with a similar mentality. Only his deal wasn't with porn. His deal was with gambling online. And his rationale was, oh, Pastor Tom, what's going on here? I mean, like, this, this, it's my money, right? I mean, I earned this. You have to understand, I have never missed a bill, okay? My kids still eat. I put food on the table. I mean, and besides, you know, if we really want to get technical, you should see some of my friends. I mean, they do so totally blow so much money. But this is just my one form of relaxation. Like for you, for you, it might be reading books. I don't know why I said that. But you might be reading books. But, but for me, it's, it's a little bit of online gambling, just a little bit. And you sort of chuckle, and I did too. But you know what? Honestly, as he was sharing all of this with me, Can I just share with you personally what my thought was? You might think badly of your pastor, but this is what I thought. I was thinking, as he was just going on, I was like, this must be exactly, exactly what I sound like. When in my own head and heart, I rationalize my own issues with lust, entitlement, pride, and anger. In my head, it sounds so good. In my head, it makes all the sense in the world. But that must be exactly what I sound like. And the thing is, we all do it. We all rationalize our own sins. But when we look at the sins of others, we demonize them, right? Our sins seem rational to us. Other sins we demonize. But here's the the deal. When we rationalize our own sins, it just, it just throws us deeper into the pit. Watch what happens next. Uh, judge, verse 5 here says, The ruler of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. This is amazing. Delilah actually takes him up on this. She actually sells out, right? She agrees to this. And here's what happened next. Three times Delilah asked Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength. And three times, it's kind of funny, three times Samson flat out lies to her. Until the fourth time, the final time, in verse 15, listen to what happens. I I don't know why, but this passage cracks me up. It just totally cracks me up. Uh, Verse 15, then she said to him, how can you say I love you? I don't know why Delilah sounds like that in my head, but... How can you say that when you won't even confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and, wouldn't, and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And now this is great. This is what the Bible says. This is the word of God. I'm not saying this. So don't write your angry emails at me. God says this. Verse 16. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. That is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Sir, you are writing notes for the first time. I I just, I don't even know what that says. 
Seriously, though, let's, let's think about this, okay? Samson was strong enough to slay a lion with his bare hands. He was bold enough to walk into a town and take the shirt off of 30 people's backs. He was powerful enough to slay a thousand grown men with one of these things. But time and time again, Samson was never strong enough to resist a woman. Wow. That's another message for another day, okay? But watch this. Judges 16, 17 says, So he told her what? Everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. Now, I just, I got to pause here. I'm not even trying to be funny. But my heart as a pastor, it broke. As much as I laughed at the passage before, I got teary when I saw that. When I see that verse, I get teary because my heart just breaks because Samson's actually acknowledging here for the first time that he was set apart by God since birth. You know, it's almost like he has this sense that, that he's remembering back to a better day. He's remembering back to, to, to why he was created, what he's on this earth for, but it's just so far from him now. That life, that just seems so impossible now. And friends, can I just say very respectfully, very humbly, not with judgment, but with a broken heart, can I just say that there may be some of you in here right now within the sound of my voice who have forgotten what God has created you to be. That, that God put you on this earth not to just take up space, not to make money, not to make babies. It's not just about those things, but that God actually put you here and he's keeping you here for I don't know how long, but he has a purpose for you and it's to utilize those gifts and those unique experiences that he's only given to you. He hasn't given them to me or the person sitting next to you. He's only given them to you. He's put you in these unique situations to glorify his name, to bring glory to his name and make a difference in this world the way that only you can make a difference. See, sometimes I need to pause and remember. Sometimes we all need to pause and remember that I was made for more than this. I have been set apart to God since birth. And I feel like as a, as a pastor, I read that passage and I, I can almost see Samson in, in my mind's eye. I can almost see Samson just kind of getting lost in, in that thought. And, and he just sort of glimpses back and, and he looks at that promise and he looks at that day. But then, but then he kind of like snaps into, into real time. And, and maybe he's like getting lost now in the, in, the, in the batting of beautiful eyes of Delilah. And he's like, oh, wait, wait uh, uh, so what, what were we talking about again? Uh, what, 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 what did you say? Oh, yeah, the secret to my strength. Yeah, it's my hair. I can see that so clearly. And and so then one of the most tragic scenes in the entire book happens next. Check this out, verse 19. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so she began to subdue him. And let's read this together. And his strength left him. His strength left him. You know, I wonder how many of us out of disobedience to God, we're still out there doing battle every day in our own strength. I, I just really wonder. Maybe our hearts have grown callous to a habitual sin. 
Maybe it's a poor attitude that's been dragging us down, keeping us down. And, and so now you, you're just so used to doing things in your own strength. You don't even realize that you're no longer doing things in God's strength. See, Samson did not mess up his life all at once. He did it one small step at a time. He rationalized. He rationalized his same old sin. And if you're taking notes, he assumed that his disobedience would never cost him. Ah, you know, don't worry about it. I've gotten away with it before. It's okay. It's all right. I can handle this one, guys. Don't worry about it. Just follow. You know, it's like this. I'm going to do this thing. I know that it's wrong, but it's okay. I've never gotten caught. No one's ever called me out. It's okay. I'm okay. It's no big deal. I've been doing it for years. And Samson assumed his disobedience would never cost him, but he was dead wrong. Verse 20. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke up from his sleep. And what did he think, church? What did Samson think when this happened? What did he think? I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Ladies and gentlemen, men especially, I want to speak to to men right now as a man. May I humbly and very respectfully submit to you that there may come a time, there may come a day that even though you've gotten away with whatever you've gotten away for for so long, it will catch up to you. You you may suddenly find yourself in a spot where it's caught up to you. See, sometimes we get away with so much and for so long that we think, oh, we're going to get away with this scot-free. I mean, it'll be just like last time. Relax. Samson literally said, his words were, I'll go out as I did before. I'm just going to shake myself free like I have before. But he didn't realize that sin had caught up to him. Your sin will find you out. Your sin is going to find you out. You can't outrun it. And Samson thought, I can get away with this. This won't cost me. Not realizing that the Lord had already passed him by. Verse 21, then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes. I think that is such poetic justice there. Samson, this man, he who had been blinded by lust all these years was now physically blinded. Amazing, right? And he took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him apart to grinding in the prison. How did a man with so much God-given potential, how did he wind up blind and bound? Tell you something. It didn't happen all at once. How did it happen? One small step at a time. See, folks, here's the deal. For many of you, this may be a moment of truth. For many of you, this may be a moment of reckoning. I'm going to ask you right now to be really honest. I I want you to answer this one last question. Where are you stepping away from God? Where are you stepping away from God? You don't even have to think about it. Just stop your rationalization. Just don't even think. Where are you stepping away from God? It could be step number one for some of us. It could be step number 18,782 for others of us. But where are you stepping away from God? For some of you, it may be as simple as, you know, you're a follower of Christ. You believe in Jesus. He's your Lord and Savior. But you know what? 
It's been a while since you read the Bible. You're not, you have a prayerless life. In other words, your hair is still long. You still, like Samson, you have the outward sign of a believer. You go to church. You do all that stuff. But inside, internally, your heart is shifting. Your heart is drifting from God every day. For others, it could be lust. I want it. It doesn't even have to be about a person. It could be about a thing, something material. I want it. It could be about entitlement. I deserve it. It could be about pride. It could be about anger. Whatever it is right now, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to have the courage to be honest and answer truthfully. Where might you be stepping away from God right now? Because don't miss this, guys. Don't miss this. You are only as strong as you are honest. You are only as strong as you are honest. It's only when you can be honest about yourself and where you stand with God that you'll be able to truly experience his forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ, his new life in walking with the Spirit. And you know, I get it. We started this message with a very angry video from you know, uh, our former uh, ex-Rutgers basketball coach, Mike Rice. But what I want to do right now is I want to end this message with a very different video. It's one from my friend. Uh, it kind of highlights what God's been doing in my friend Juan Guzman from our New Brunswick campus, okay, also in New Brunswick. But you see, you see, after years of battling anger, growing up without a father, he had to keep his siblings in line, all that stuff, and it would manifest itself. He would lash out in anger. He would lash out in rage all the time until one day, until one day he stopped and he realized that he was stepping further and further away from God because of his anger. And that, when he had that moment of truth, that, that moment of honesty, that's when God started to really work in his life, truly changing him for the better, making him like Christ. Here is one story. I remember a time where, you know, I, I snuck up the house and used to go and get on my bike, just drive up to cars, you know, and just throw a rock at the window and break the window. You know, I'm releasing my anger. I will be home and, you know, end up getting grounded and I'm in the room and I'm mad and I'm, you know, punch a hole in the wall, you know, or just take my frustration on other people. I used to be mean to my, my little brothers or mean to my sister because I'm like, you know, I got too much responsibility on me, you know, growing up and now I got to do this for you. Now I can't go outside and play or I can't do this because I got to make sure you're doing your homework. Well, my whole life started to change when God answered my prayer and actually, you know, brought my wife to me. She was the best thing that ever happened to me. She mentioned liquid to me, and once I walked through that door, pretty much changed my life. I felt that I changed in so many ways. I'm more caring for other people's feelings, getting more involved with church, working with liquid kids, joining a men's life group, joining a marriage life group. Since I didn't have that father, I figured that I could be around positive people to sit there and just guide me. Always felt empty and always used to let my anger take the best of me. But now the new me, Jesus had changed my heart. I'm more more caring and more humble. You know, I don't let the littlest thing get me angry anymore. I just feel that Jesus has 
made a new me. Can we just thank God for what he's doing in Juan's life? That is awesome. You got to love what he said there. I don't let the little things get me angry anymore. Jesus has made a new me. Folks, you have to know that God did that for Juan, and he wants to do that for every single one of you in whatever life circumstance you find yourself in right now. So, guys, won't you be honest with that question? Where might you be stepping away from God? Because I tell you what, there is no better place to reckon that than right now at this moment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we all have our issues, whether it's lust, whether it's entitlement, whether it's pride, whether it's anger. On some days, I, I, I manifest all four. I need your help. I pray that you would help everyone here to be honest with you. May your spirit search our hearts and show, up the, show, show us the impurities, Lord. And I pray that we can give that to you. We don't want to hold on to it anymore. We want to call it out. We want your light to shine on. We want to give it to you, God. And we pray that as we find mercy at the cross, mercy because of Jesus Christ, that you would change us and make us anew and help us to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.